The fantastic voyage of Grindel Wollaston welcomes you. Entry. Mystery. Welcome. 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 The sensory experience. The most fun you can have with your clothes off. Old Cheese Weasel sank deeper into the perfumed bath. Thick plumes of rosy hibiscus curdled in the heavy stew, and let his mangy doorstep hoofers dangle out the window, where the drizzle licked at them like the rasping tongues of a thousand airborne lovers, making his head blush a deep, veiny russet, and his balls quiver in that adorable way they want to when in the mood. Brassica! Brassica! He bellowed at the top of his voice before accompanying it with a few bubbles from the voice of his bottom, bellowing trumps like the garbled cries of drowning sailors. Flap! Grumble! Quack! A small trumpet implanted into the wall made a spluttering sound like a dog trying to ingest its own rectum before contorting into the English dialect of his gentleman's ungentlemanly gentleman. Yes, sir, your lordship, sir, came a disembodied voice, tinged with the rustic rasp of a chain-smoking, scrumpy-addled philanderer, caught on the fence between servitude and aptitude. Cheeseweasel screwed his little finger around his ear and began to twiddle as if retuning a radio, while his other hand attended to his bushy aerial. Are my hot rocks warmed up yet? There was an uncomfortable pause as the old man shuffled his devious canter over to check the steaming coals. Shuffle, shuffle, step, shuffle. Shuffle, step, pause, then shuffle. Shuffle, step, stumble. Step, 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 and then back to the speaking tube. Not quite yet, sir. The first lot started exploding, you see, and I had to take Mrs. Varminster to the bomb shelter. Didn't work in the war. No reason it'll work now. Best leave her in there. It'll do a good, malodorous bint. He'd first seen hot rocks being used in Malay country by a man in a loincloth that gave off a stink like offal and looked much worse. Against Brassica's protestations, he had sequestered some of the finer specimens from the rock garden to test, and proceeded to burn the devils over a furnace of table legs, tax forms and family portraits, of which there was an endless supply. He used a generously proportioned loofah to scatter a family of rats that had set up camp beneath the septic tank, before letting his head submerge beneath the surface, like some great hairy U-boat on sighting of a merchant ship. A passing rook saw his hefty-sized hens and proceeded to perch on them, eyeing up Cheeseweasel's hulking protuberances, which rose gingerly out of the water, like spouting goliaths taking on air, or sporadic patches of wrinkled land to tempt the mariner and torment the marooned. This isn't a tree, he bellowed at the beaky creature. If you have a message for me, then spit it out, you feathery louse, or feel the foamy end of Mirod. 
He raised his loofer aloft, as if to strike. The feathery bird span its head around, and flargled its vocal cords off. No! Do you have any carrion? It squawked at him. This is a blasted carrion. Bugger off! He cried. Stay away from the intestines! My mother used to say, stay away from the intestines! Or yours will be as rotten, she used to say. My mother! It replied, hooting like an owl. I wouldn't approach my guts for the moment, said Cheeseweasel, letting out a particularly grossled pump, which flapped the towels on the rail and sent the bats in the rafters scurrying for safety, shouting their batty clicks like the sound of Mrs. Varminster's knitting needles when she darned the chafing chasms in Cheeseweasel's stinking socks. Should it be that wrinkled? It squawked at him, licking its beak and staring down at Cheeseweasel's particulars. I don't know. It's Glandula, he replied before the speaker on the wall blurted into action, sending the bird flapping away in an explosion of feathers and a less savoury present decorating his toes. Sir, Felchley has arrived, sir. Arrived? I didn't know he was coming. The wagtail thunderbunt! replied Cheeseweasel, suddenly sitting up in the bath, which sent cascades of bubbly water onto the floor like a domestic tsunami. If you're not careful, you'll be off with the family silver. He cried and dashed out to the landing to shout down to his abominable guest. Felchley, you unsightly fiend. If you lay a damned finger on that butter dish, I'll feed you to the horses. Miss Dishwater was standing on the stairs, staring up in mild horror at Cheeseweasel's nakedness, which wobbled like spasmodic jelly as he grew increasingly enraged and steadily engorged. She let out a mousish squeak and fled the scene, with which Cheeseweasel swore and returned to the steamy haven to wipe himself down and cover his shame. A man's outfit can consist of many things, but none so singular as a tweed suit. And Cheeseweasel's three-piece was the pip of the lot. It stank of horse piss and itched to high hell, but it was the finest garment this side of Shanghai, and he looked good in it. That is to say, he looked particularly grotty when out of it. After donning the insipid garment, he went hunting for a little smattering of something before lunch. There's devils in the pantry, hooves on stone-cold floor, ghouls amongst the cold-pressed meat, and pixies in the drawers. Goblins gobbling yesterday's lunch, while the imps start on today's, trying to avoid the bug-eyed fiend who traps them as they graze. A half-cut ogre, decked out in a toga, noshes down filbury pie, while a troll look on with envious tongue and nibbles a slice of dry rye. So the infernal rages on and on, my hunger's never sated. The proverbial demon at the door, at least until I ate it. So I seek a little something, the slurp and eager crunch. A little treat to keep me sweet and placate my stomach till lunch. Mrs. Sweeney. The cumbersome bosom in a chef's hat had excelled herself that morning, for the table more resembled a landfill site than a breakfast setting. Oh, I say, murmured a lustful cheese weasel as a rampant pork pie roved into view. It was a real celebration of lips, rectums and foreskins, in such concentration that each unpredictable crunch gave the eater a great deal to think about, which is always important in a quick repast. Cheeseweasel sunk his refined gnashes around the pastry, letting out a sigh of contemptuous satisfaction. 
Mrs. Sweeney bustled into the room in a cloud of flour and gunpowder. She carried a pig carcass on her back and stumped it down onto the counter, where it winked at Cheeseweasel with a suggestive willfulness. That's a fine hog, Mrs. Sweeney. Puts a man in a mood for a wife. I caught the bugger in the potting shed, tucking into this here's petunias. Swine! He roared. Stuff him, Mrs. Sweeney. Stuff him to the gills and don't spare an inch. Sweeney was a self-taught chef but a natural-born butcher. She attended to the carcass with a wanton abandon that left more of the beast adorning the 16th century wallpaper than ended up in the oven. Yes, I must confess, I keep the sword and do me dress, a nunchuck hidden in its shoe, if you live with him, you would too, on me course it's a baseball bat, and a hangar aid lives under me hat, and just in case he tries to trick us, I keep the rest in me knickers. Cheese Weasel grew tired of her country witterings, and went to find his manservant, who was in need of a good flogging. Brassica looked like the offspring of a Frenchman and a baked potato. His body resembled a bag full of slugs, and his mind offered little redemption. Cheeseweasel found him in the western potting shed, where he was stoking a little fire with a stick of celery. Come here, you deplorable whelp! Issued Cheeseweasel, with the playful malevolence born to the gentry and grudgingly mastered by the middle class. Where's my coals? He asked. They're cold, damn it! I want them hot and black and hard. I want to feel them on my back. Hotter, blacker, harder. That's my boy. Stoke, stoke, stoke. Burn them, sons of bitches. Now, on me knackers. The smell of burnt flesh was somewhat masked by Felch's pervasive aftershave as he entered the room with the ginger step of a cat on a hot tin landmine. I say, cheese weasel, I haven't seen a chap turn that colour since Bunny got his leg caught in the fence and it went septic. What's the game? Relaxation. The pressure of my position. I can see your position from here. Any more pressure and it might explode over the bench. He said, pointing at Cheeseweasel's raging stiffy, which waggled proudly in a patriotic salute. Brassica flicked his bellend and began to peel the rocks off, covering the sore areas of skin with cucumber. I'm not a damn salad, cried Cheeseweasel. But you have the finer shades of beetroot about you, not to mention the salad cream, Felchley commented. A fine people, these Malays. Once you've beaten the foreignness out of them, drinks! roared Cheeseweasel, and Brassica poured two stiff drinks with two wobbly hands, the ice making a sound like the jingle jangle of a thousand lost souls. Umbrella! he screamed as Felchley aimed an uppercut at the disgraced servant. I ought to stick you through. Give me my damned umbrella! Don't open it inside, it's bad luck. Nonsense! Cured me bad luck by rubbing linseed oil into it. Or is that herpes? I don't think you get herpes from an umbrella. <laughs> Depends on if it's raining on your way to the brothel. If it is, I would stay at home and get a takeaway. Funny taste this drink. What's in it? Gin, whiskey, and Ursula's urine as a mixer. Bladder like an accordion, we collected by the bucketful. Doesn't she mind? <laughs> she thinks she's helping the war effort. What vintage is it? Last Tuesday. Mm, doesn't keep very well. Why keep it at all? Who else would? I'm sure there's a market for that sort of thing. Cheeseweasel leant back in his seat and smacked his lips as he drained the cloudy dregs in one hefty gulp. Oh, to what do I owe this displeasure? Are you unwell? Spleen acting up again? I'm here on matters of the heart. Well, your heart's built like a bilge pump. It's about time one of you packed it. 
Though it seems like I backed the wrong horse. I mean to say love. Steady on! I don't mean you, you ass. It's Miss Dishwater I want. I'm here to ask for her hand. I'm not sure if it's just her hand you're interested in. I've also heard she has the most exquisite asshole. Well, no smoke without fire. Tell that to your loins. They're smoking like a power station chimney and look rather like burnt scrag ends. They were burning long before that. So, what do you think? Mm, some soothing balm might calm the crotch demons. I, I mean about our wedding. Quite impossible. While Miss Dishwater is under my care, she is forbidden to undertake in any involvement with man or beast, to which you belong quite intimately to both sordid categories. Then you leave me no choice but to invite you to a duel. I'll have an emerald, thank you. No need to be facetious, I'm quite serious. A duel, pistols at dawn, that sort of thing, honour, seconds, and delicate handkerchiefs. To which I must regretfully decline. It's a duel. You can't pull out of a duel. There are a great many things you cannot pull out of, Lady Cheeseweasel being one of them. But a duel, in this instance, is quite simply out of the question. I'm not even wearing underpants. He stuck his hand into his trousers to check the validity of the statement and discovered a little something to occupy his mind while Felchley spoke. I shan't give up on her so easily. If you even have a scrap of honour, you will meet me on the front lawn in an hour. And bring something to defend yourself with. Cheeseweasel had always held a weighty contempt for the dull and pasty Felchley Melchiot, for he was the most deplorable whelp imaginable. And now he found that the fuse, which had been lit so long ago, had finally caught up to him, and ignited into a sudden seismic flush of rage and indignation deep within him. Odds bodkins, you scurvy, loathsome cur! You impotent, spineless turd nuggin! I ought to knack your ring for you, sod the duel! I'll have my satisfaction right now. The vein on his forehead quivered like the pulsating lip of an aroused ticket inspector, while great tendrils of viscous sputum whipped round his chops as he licked himself into a tirade. Cheeseweasel retrieved a leather glove and crudely cuffed the frightful oik around his pallid, jaundiced cheek, making sure each finger struck its own stinging blow, like a cat o' nine tails flogging the ripened body of a newly christened cabin boy. The choleric cleric sprang over to the fireplace with a leap that would be hard-pressed to alight at a tube stop and tore down a nunchuck that hung from the wall, swinging it ferociously around his indulgently beetroot bombs. Felchley followed suit and retrieved a similar weapon from the opposite wall, holding it as if it were a cholera victim, very much at arm's length and with much disdain. As it happened, the inevitable clash of metal upon metal was never witnessed by anyone in Dimbleton Hall that afternoon. For both candidates, upon handling their weapons, managed to separately sculpt a path of grief to their own bulging groins with the unwieldy hunks of metal. Damn and blast! Right in the ghoulies! Sobbed Cheeseweasel, retrieving the business end from his scroat and plying the throbbing mound with the ice bucket, while Felchley sunk his nads into the ornamental fish pond to the startled horror of a couple of koi carp. Good God! It's the 21st century, bless me. No sane man should be forced to defend his honour with his hands alone. Let's use motor cars and be done with it. Can't say I'm too enamoured with the idea, old chap. Just had the thing buffeted, you see. Waxed and all. Pop, peacock and codswaddle. Wax should be left to the bees. But it comes out of their bumholes, and you know they're all Bolsheviks. It's a very fine motor indeed. 
I dare say worth more than your entire east wing. You need wings to fly, and I don't see any of that claptrap hogs machine unless you count the ones on your sanitary towel. <laughs> I like that. You're the one who spent the day in the bath. The indulgences afforded to those who have served their country at the highest level. You were an MP. You couldn't be further from serving the country. I was a prince among men. If that is the case, then might I suggest chess as the game of kings? That it may be, but Tiddlywinks is a game of gentlemen. Cheese Weasel salivated. Flick, ping, tiddly tums, up the garden path. I've never seen a Tiddly's winker that didn't make me laugh. Pick and fling, tarumpity tum, shoot them from the hip. Gurgle the flipper into the cup or bounce it off the lip. Tinkle, waffle, plinkety plop, the rotters scored a goal. Missed the second, got the third. Now Mouse is in its hole. As it happened, they couldn't find any tiddles or winks so they were forced to rely on marbles to resolve the issue of Miss Dishwater's honour. The old man steadied himself up against a railing and brought his eyes down to ground level, where a passing worm doffed its wormy cap. Steady now, boy. Visualise the target. Breathing. (gasps) In. (sighs) And out. Calming breath. In. (gasps) And. (sighs) Damn and blast. Who's... Who's that whistling? I can't hear myself think. Miss Dishwater walked into the scene, accompanied by the boisterous Varminster, whose lips were pursed as tight as a sphincter in a talc factory. Dishwater's bottom made him look, her cleavage made him stare, her expression made him stop. Miss Dishwater! exclaimed Felchley, dropping his marble to the floor in flustered adoration. Mr Melchior, welcome to Dimpleton. When did you arrive? Some time ago. That is to say, earlier today. Miss Dishwater, you look so ravishing. I think you mean ravenous. I'm on one of those new diets, so no solids before liquids and pureed sprouts after exercise. You eat sprouts? No. I rub them on my thighs during my warm down. It tenderises the meat. Something wonderful. With a code of honour that was misplaced by generations of cheating, bullying and cowardice, the three stalwarts of a public school, Cheesy Weasel took his shot while all three backs were turned. He crouched and flung his marble down the course where it smote the final blow with such force that the main clump went their separate ways like guilty parties after an orgy. There, my game, he said, puffing hard, as he rose to claim his bragging rights. But in doing so, his back issued such a devastating crack that Mrs. Varminster dived into the geraniums for cover, and a dog in a distant field licked its privates and howled. Oh, Christ above! Bugger's gone again. He said, slapping his back with thunderous, meaty blows. Take me back. Take me back to the house. I'm in need of a good soaking. The wilting flower of servitude laid the gigantic turd of a man across his back and began to drag him inside, with Cheese Weasel temporarily out of the picture, and Varminster still quivering in the flower bed. Felchley found himself quite erotically alone with the lovely dishwater. Are you packed? So long as I have my wicks and good looks. It might be prudent to pack a spare pair of undercrackers as well. When the mission takes me, I'll rip them off with my teeth if I have to. We must be quick and elope, my dear. The old man has not given his consent. He rarely gives anything other than his opinions anymore. Have you transport? I do. A carriage flew down the drive and drew up in front of the gate. The burly driver stepped from the cab and growled into Felchley's ear. Guttural parlance for a greeting. Get in, Matilda, my sweet. 
Mr. Melchior, what can I say? This is quite the most romantic thing anyone has ever done for me. I saw Cynthia in the post office this morning. She told me how I have from Godfrey. You know Godfrey. He's the one with the limp eye. He was caught in the potting shed with Mrs. Accrington last summer. Well, he bought her a scarf with hearts on the fringing. I said to her at the time to watch out for him. But did she listen? Did she act? It was a talk of the town you wouldn't believe. Turns out he'd given the same scarf to Dolly Harricot in the Seven Sisters pub. This is all after she'd had his way with her other six sisters. She was in tears by the weekend, and this all before the village fate, where the atmosphere was quite ruined when she took a pot shot at Dolly with an air rifle. Luckily, she's a poor shot and only managed to strike a wax plum from her hat, which left her plumless. Well, it all kicked off after that, and in all the chaos, we quite forgot to award the prize for the largest marrow, which was meant to go to Hillary Possum, though the word on the street is that he was using illegal pesticides to grow the thing, which is why it was as large as a sow. But you'll never guess what he used to wrap the thing up in. A scarf with hearts on the fringing. Turns out that Godfrey's been burning his wick from both ends, if you get my meaning. It was how Cynthia burnt herself at midnight mass two years ago. She's still got the scar to prove it. Oh, Felchley Melchiot started to strongly believe, in no uncertain terms, that he had made a rather rash decision, having spent so little time with the indisputably beautiful but vapid cretin that now sat in the coach waiting for him to join her. But by this time he had delved so far already into the rabbit hole, and there was the matter of honour to which he was duty-bound. Bugger this for a lark. I'm off. Mr Melchiot! Mr Melchiot! Come back! Haven't even nibbled my delicates yet! Cheese Weasel wallowed in the bath for a second time that day. There hadn't been much point in cleaning the water out, so Brassica had just set a small fire beneath the tub and let it bubble away. So, Cheese Weasel lay back and watched as a day-old piece of fluff floated past his face. Squawked the rook. He wasn't quite sure if it was the same one as before, for they all looked the same and haven't the manners to introduce themselves formally. Ugh, look what the cat dragged in. Ah, I'd take a whole lion to pull that thing in! It gargled, once again placing its gaze upon his particulars. Just bugger off! He harumphed, slamming the window shut and catching his big toe in the mechanism. Ah! Brassica! Brassica! 